Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty along with my brother Darren. We're live in the Morton studio today on a Farmer Friday. If you'd like to call in at any point during our show, our phone lines are going to be open 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You can also email us radio at agphd.com or find us on Twitter, agphdmedia, Darren Hefty or Brian Hefty. All right, so Darren's out doing a little traveling today. Uh, Darren, here's my question for you. You've been at a lot of these, I'll call them breeder plots, and looking at some of the new genetics and new traits that are coming out in corn and soybeans. Is there anything that's really standing out to you as you, as you look at all these different plots here this summer? What are you thinking as we go into the next year? What, what, what's, um, what's most exciting for you? Well, yesterday I was in central Iowa, and there was a breeder there, and I'm not kidding, Brad. He was very animated, and he was very excited because they had wind damage at some of their plots in Nebraska. They were planted the same, like within a day of the same exact plot layout they did in Iowa, uh, and they got wind damage, and he said, this is awesome because now we can see some differences in uh, what happened, which hybrids could take it and whatnot. Talked to another breeder yesterday who said they had helicopters out doing uh, wind simulations in a number of trials that they do. And they were doing it not like every day or every week or something like that, but doing it at some key growth stages, trying to see well, what's our window of risk here for green snap and lodging and those types of things. And so I think you know, one of the things that farmers that I've talked to over the last 10 years have been begging for is quit having hybrids that are 12 feet tall and quit having hybrids that fall over on me or green snap so much. And I think the breeders have got it. I think they're working hard on it. And I think we're seeing a lot better stuff coming down the, the pipe. So excited about that. Uh, also excited about, you know, some of the things going on with the rootworm trades. I really like what I'm seeing with SmartStacks Pro so far in terms of the trait handling rootworm pressure. There definitely is a difference in the germplasm with some of the hybrids that are out there. Some I definitely like a lot better than others. So that would be something. And then the last one, Brian, is disease. And nobody that I've talked to so far has got this tar spot thing completely figured out. They're still working at, at isolating it so they can do inoculation trials, but hopefully in the next few years we'll see better material coming through. Uh, the companies certainly get it. Their breeders get it. They're, they're making efforts to, to try to make crosses off the, the females and males that handle tar spot better. So within a few years, we'll see a significant improvement there too. In soybeans, the number one question is, when are we going to have a four-way stack? When is dicamba going to be together with 2,4-D so people can spray the 2,4-D yet have tolerance to the dicamba that's drifting out of corn and potentially out of soybeans? So how long is it going to be, do you think? I'm going to guess four years. We're already looking at varieties that have a four-way stack in. Uh, There's a five-way stack that's also being worked on now in the trials we're not seeing those so much yet because they're still a few stages away but but yeah we've got uh four-way stacks coming you know pending regulatory approval and that's really one of the big challenges 
I, I was talking to uh, one of the companies yesterday, uh, was talking about how they had trades and, and uh, things that were just, they, they didn't have a good idea on the timeline just because it's taking longer. Uh, I actually was talking to a herbicide manufacturer, or I should say herbicide uh, uh, company yesterday, and they said herbicide that was supposed to be out this year, or I'm sorry, supposed to be out in 2021, they're hoping to have it labeled by next year, that things got pushed back, uh, a lot of it due to COVID pandemic stuff, but just so many lawsuits too. So uh, who knows on these traits? Uh, we used to be able to more closely predict them for quite a while, but right now uh, it's anybody's guess. But my guess is four years. Anything else in soybeans that a farmer would be able to take advantage of in the next couple years? Well, I'll say this. There's been much more of an emphasis on standability there as well, which is great. And, you know, just talk, I was talking to actually a breeder that's had some issues with that yesterday, and they, they've got the message that farmers don't want their product if it's not going to stand well because harvesting soybeans that are laying over is a real challenge. So, yeah, I, I know harvesting corn is, is a big challenge too when it's laying over, but uh, with soybean breeding, that leads to a lot of different things. If you've got lodging, you have more likelihood of having diseases like white mold, and that can be a bad, bad deal. And with new traits coming and coming, you know, pretty fast, as soon as new traits come out, farmers really want them. Like Extend Flex, I've talked to so many farmers this summer that have been using straight Extend or that have been using other platforms and have said, man, I'm switching to Extend Flex next year. I really like what I saw with that Liberty. Uh, and, you know, for various reasons, whether they like the dicamba performance or just want to avoid having issues with neighbors and that kind of thing. Uh, they, they've seen a lot of positive things there. And one of the things I'd say with Extend Flex is they are working on standability and they're they're improving in that and improving disease tolerance too. So a lot of good lines coming for next year. I've been having meetings the last three days with agronomists in South Dakota and Minnesota. And the number one thing that has stood out to me has been that none of them are super happy with how dicamba has performed in the field or for that matter, 2,4-D. So I'm not saying either one of them is a disaster or anything like that, but what I am saying is for the guys that aren't doing like the full pre-emerge program, they're they're not super ecstatic about their weed control. So I think that's probably, to me, one of the biggest things that I think we need to be talking more about as we go into 2023 is the three pre's, then following with early post or layered residual, and then hitting it with something else. And we're certainly hoping there'll be a lot more liberty available for the Enlist and the Extend Flex beans and everything like that. So anyway, lots to talk about. But today, we'd like to talk about whatever you'd like to discuss. It's Farmer Friday. Give us a call, 844-44-AG-PHD. Compromise is nice if you're at the playground or scouring yard sales. But farmers know better that middle grounds have no winner. That's why there's Revitec fungicide, fast-acting and long-lasting, preventative and curative, disease control and stress reduction. So leave the settling to little Tommy at the seesaw, an old bargain bill, and take your full prize in yields with Revitec fungicide for uncompromised performance. Always read and follow label directions. 
Growing up on the farm, I woke up as early as mom and dad. I put as many hours on the tractor, changed as many teeth on the tiller as my brothers. It doesn't matter if you're young or old, man or woman. When there's work to be done, you put your boots on and you do it. I do that on my farm and in my job at Case IH. My name is Kelsey, I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. Ag PhD has one mission, to give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the Ag PhD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, updates and results from our infield research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the Ag PhD Insider at agphdinsider.com. Do you have crop failures due to flooding, drought, or another event? You may need to consider a better burndown regimen. Adding just two ounces of New Farm Panther SC to your tank mix not only provides faster results, it provides residual that lasts. You gain flexibility to keep your cropping options open. Ask your dealer for Panther SC and get Panther Power in your tank. This is Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty, live in the Morton studio. Today, it's a Farmer Friday. If you want to call into the show, our number is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You can also send us an email, radio at agphd.com. Okay, we're going to jump to the phone lines right now. We've got AO calling in from North Carolina. AO, how's it going today? Well... We're looking halfway decent. We finally got some rain, so uh, crops are, are growing a little bit. We went nine weeks with uh, with hardly any traceable amount of uh, rain. And But anyway, soybeans are growing some now. Corn, yeah, you got good spots and bad spots. So nine weeks in uh, the heat that you guys have, that's not good. Do you have much irrigation on your farm? Uh, only what the good Lord gives us. <laughs> uh, okay. So I, I but, will but say. It makes you want. <laughs> yeah. It does make you want to get some. <laughs> Definitely. I, I, I will say on soybeans, and a lot of people ask us about that all the time, soybeans do respond pretty well to sunlight. They do okay in heat. Yeah, eventually they have to have rain, especially late in the season. But, yeah, hopefully it didn't go too far and get too bad on you before these rains start coming here. So, um, what AO, I was just talking to my brother Darren about soybeans and corn going into next year and everything. Have you started thinking about 2023 at all yet, or are you still basically entirely focused here on 22? Well, we're already thinking about putting in more wheat. Or putting in wheat, we had 1150 acres this year, and and that that come off fine. We picked it in, I think it was 10 days, and. But we had no rain the whole ten days, so we were putting beans in, in dry ground. But oh, anyway, wow. we're we're looking at we're looking at uh, you know going back with wheat and and beans again this year. Uh, we didn't. This is the first year we hadn't planted any corn, and as long as I can remember, and uh, we didn't plant any corn this year. And 
I'm kind of glad of it at this point. I was going to say, you really lucked out because that nine weeks with almost no rain would not have been good for that corn crop. The soybeans might be okay yet, but uh, certainly not good for corn. So any anything else you're thinking about changing as you go into 23? Other than right at this point, I think we're, we're still in the same mode that we were not going to plant any corn this year. <laughs> But we're trying to see where the nitrogen prices are and, you know, really can't get a handle on that. So let me ask you this. If let's say the fertilizer price stays where where it's at, do you look at corn then and go, yeah, it's probably going to be too costly to produce? Or, I mean, what I'm trying to ask here is, is that fertilizer price, is that having a really big impact on how you feel about corn for next year? Um. Pretty much, yes. Uh, yeah. We thought about a little bit of grain sorghum uh, to, you know, do something a little different. Maybe it doesn't take as much moisture, mm-hmm. and of course, fertilizer-wise either. So, but anyway, we're kind of we're kind of looking at that option and, and and giving that some thought. So you mentioned the wheat. When do you harvest wheat down in your state? Well. Most of the time, it's in the first of June. This year, we were picking the last day of May. Oh, you were able to get in a little early. Okay. So, and the reason why I was asking that is just your timing for planting those soybeans. So, your soybeans are probably then planted in early to mid June, right? That's correct. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, anything you do different for? Do you plant any full season soybeans then, or just the the double crop? Uh, we do have some full season, and we're looking at possibly going back to a little less acres of uh, of wheat and maybe some more full season beans this year. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yep. Kind of spread our risk out a little bit more. Yep, definitely. All right, AO, thanks a lot for calling in today. We, we'll pray for some rain for you. Hopefully things turn out good for you yet on your farm. And, uh, again, thanks a lot. Nice talking to you today. Well, we were gone last week, and it rained the whole every day we were gone. So we, we're kind of come to the conclusion that maybe we just need to leave when it, when it gets dry. <laughs> yep. All right. So uh, have a fun vacation, A.O., and uh, see you in a couple months. <laughs> all right. Talk to you later. Yep. See ya. All right. Thanks. Uh, let's head up to uh, Quebec. we got John on with us right now. John, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing pretty well. Maybe I should take a couple days off, and maybe it'll rain. Yeah. Here too. Hey, if that's the strategy, I like EO's strategy there. That That's one that I think we can all live with. Uh, I guess uh, I, I'm not complaining too much. We're, we have pretty good looking corn and beans, so it's, uh, but we, we could use an inch of rain, but it's not serious. Anyway, we're right today, we're uh, out scouting for aphids, and uh, we're not finding, finding a few uh, aphids, but we have a lot of beneficials. On the plants, too, so uh, we're not thinking about spraying. Sure, sure. You know, that's that's one of the things uh, we haven't heard as much about the last few years as soybean aphids as uh, was, was really going there for a while. It wasn't a matter of how many we're going to have. It's just when are they going to be here because we know it's going to get bad again. But uh, do you see anything else out there? I mean, what are you seeing as you're going through? Are you seeing lots of pods? Does it look like lots of flowers coming? Or Yeah, I, I didn't count the pods, but there, there's a lot of pods uh uh, but well, of course, we have uh, quite a range of beans too. Some of them were planted in early May, and the others were planted mid June after a hay crop. And uh, they're uh, 
perhaps they're suffering a little bit less or more from uh, water, uh, lack of water maybe, but uh, it's uh, they're still not looking too bad. Anyway, sure. We did we did try some uh, something called uh, Utrisha N in, uh, in our corn. Oh yeah, yeah. Biostimulant, bio, bio and uh, we're just waiting. Well, we'll find out in the fall just uh, how it worked out. Yeah. Did but, you uh, notice anything at all? Do you see anything at all in the plants? I didn't see anything in the plant, and I was through the field uh, twice after that with uh, with uh, touch up sprays. But uh, uh, I, I didn't. Uh, some somebody told me that used it. Uh, that used it. They said that it. Uh, they they thought their corn tasseled in in the test plots where they they put the eutrichia on tasseled a couple of days later. Would that be possible? Say say that one more time, John. That where where they put on the eutrichia in, uh, it tasseled two days later. Oh, okay. It slowed down tasseling just a little bit. Uh, you know, it's possible uh, that that can sure happen. We've we've absolutely seen treatments that have sped up or slowed down uh, the time it took to get to tasseling, and uh, that could be a good thing. That could be not a good yeah, thing. Yeah. So to me, that tells me that the plant was just that much more healthy and growing and everything else. Maybe. But maybe. Yep. It could be the opposite. I I don't know. Um, Anyway, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I, I don't know. Okay, it'll be yeah, it'll yeah. be fun to see, you know. And and sometimes what we see now, two days, I don't think it's going to make a big difference in moisture. But when it's a, a week or more difference between tasseling, a lot of times, you know, you see a little wetter corn if it's if it's slower to get to tassel. But uh, I I would take just a little bit wetter corn if I can get a bunch more bushels. Maybe that'll happen. <laughs> Never know. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah, we have some trials out this year on that product too. So I guess I'm I'm excited to see how that turns out. We we've done a little work on that one over the last couple of years, and it has looked good in our trial work. So we'll see how it turns out this year. Yeah, good. The other thing we tried or are we, we have a strip tiller this year, and we uh, last fall we strip tilled into corn and we planted small acreage of corn on corn. We don't usually do that, but we did it just to see and. Uh, I'm. It's looking very good, actually. Uh, you know, I didn't think what. Uh, it looks as good as the corn next door that was planted came out of uh, that we planted out of beans. So, anyway, it's uh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. We you also never... did. We also we also did some strip tilling in some of our processing beans. Um, we didn't do any. It was like more or less no till. Normally, we work the field two or three times for. Uh, processing beans but this time we, we said we're just going to strip till it and uh i am i'm impressed it's doing really well well that's awesome yeah we've done we've done strip till in a lot of different rotations too including continuous corn here and it, it it all comes down to how you set things up and uh there there are a lot of adjustments that a guy can make but you bet you can be successful in that well john you got a lot of trial work out there great to hear from you we'll be excited to to talk to you again maybe after harvest good yes of course all right Good. Nice talking to you. You bet. Good talking to you as well. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with Farmer Friday and Ag PhD Radio after this. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. 
The Pentair Hypro Express Flush Valve reduces plugged nozzles and improves cleanout of your spray boom. Simply flush boom sections with a quarter turn ball valve and leave your tools in the cab. Plus, installation is easy. Simply remove the existing end cap plug and replace with the Hypro Express Flush Valve. Learn more at Pentair.com slash Hypro. Your schedule can change by the minute, making it hard to stay on top of the latest agronomy information. But at Ag PhD, we have some good news for you. If you miss an episode of Ag PhD TV or radio, you can catch up at agphd.com. With years of valuable content and latest episodes available to stream for free, you can continue building your agronomic knowledge on any schedule. While you're there, don't forget to check for upcoming Ag PhD events and workshops. Watch, listen, and learn at agphd.com. When it comes to mites in your field, you can't afford a solution that might work. That's why there's Zealpro Miticide from Valent USA. With next level knockdown and long residual control, you can be sure to handle spider mites at all stages of life with complete certainty. With efficient translaminar activity, apply by ground or air, and confidently attack mites where they are. Make Zealpro the definitive answer to your mite problem. Visit valent.com slash zealpro to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. AgroLiquid is precision crop nutrition. That means being committed to product performance, to research and field testing, and to superior agronomics. Most of all, AgroLiquid is committed to delivering precisely the right nutrition in the right way, including seed-safe planter plus side dress applications and foliar applications with low burn risk. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Every week for more than two decades, Ag PhD TV has provided agronomic information to make your farm more productive and profitable. In each episode, we discuss a wide range of topics covering everything from crop fertility, promoting soil health, improving the environment, pest control, and more. All designed to help you push your farm to higher yield goals and more profitability. Be sure to catch us on Tuesdays and Saturdays on RFD TV. Check your local listings or visit agphd.com to learn more. There's a new kind of crop protection in your territory, and it's always on the hunt. Howler Fungicide unleashes multiple modes of action for proven, broad-spectrum protection against soil-borne and foliar diseases. Start protecting your territory at agbiome.com howler. With superior materials, craftsmanship, and best-in-class warranty, a Morton machine storage or workshop is built to stand the test of time. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit mortonbuildings.com. Farmer Friday and Ag PhD Radio, thanks for joining us today. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio, taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head down to Georgia. we got Sam with us. And Sam, uh, how are things going in Georgia besides being hot, which you have to expect in uh, August? Yeah, very hot. We're all, we've been getting scattered showers, but we're still on the dry side. Um, we had one farm that got two inches Tuesday afternoon, but everything else is just a little bitty half inch, half to a quarter tenth of showers. But yep, for the most part, everything's looking good. Um, these later cotton fields need a lot more rain. Um, I think the the dry land corn burn up pretty much. But the, um, the irrigator looks, most of them looks really well in here. 
You bet. Sounds like you got some cattle there, Sam. What what you uh, up to? Are you doing some yeah, chores right now? We're, we're weaning some calves, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, yes. Yes, weaning calves. You are gonna hear <laughs> you're gonna hear those cows from a long ways. That's correct. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I'm in the pen with them. So. <laughs> All right. So how are they? How are I, I they adjusting? My my wife always uh, has these questions. She when it gets hot, she's like, "Okay, so how do the cattle adjust? What do the what do the farmers and ranchers do to try to help them when it when it gets weather like this?" Lots of shade, yeah. <laughs> and make sure we got clean water. That's the biggest two things. But, I mean, we try not to be out this time of day doing much with them, but it's, we just ran a little bit late today. Um. Yeah, they they fare well. You know, the most most of everything we have is English, English cross. We have very little on our farm farmer cross, which I keep thinking about integrating some uh, in uh, put some bomber back in them, but we just haven't done that. Sure, sure. And yeah, you're talking about different breeds and and breeds that yeah. uh, adjust to the heat and the sunshine and and those kinds of things. Correct. And certainly, there are different breeds that get raised up north here when we get 20 below in the winter that can handle those kinds of conditions too. So, yeah, you got extremes yeah. on either end, no doubt about it. But y'all can have some hot summers too. You know, we we can. We're uh, we're not quite there, but we're going to be close to 100 degrees uh, air temp today. I'm not sure what the humidity is at all, but it's it's a it's a warm one out there. I'm kind of glad we got a breeze. Yeah, it's still it's right, really still right now. But um, August is typically but dog days begin soon. I guess they'll have dog days up there. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's all what you get used to. And you know, you talk like about those cattle too, they acclimate, they figure it out and they, they get kind of used to stuff. And, and like you say, if we leave them alone in the middle of the day, as much as we can, uh, they, they can just kind of hang out and, and they'll be just fine. We're not chasing them around or anything like that at this point in time. Yeah. We've had, um, well, this is a question for you. Canadian thistle. We've been fighting it for years. It seemed like this year it just exploded. We we try to spray 2,4-D in January or so when it's in the rosette stage, but some got by us this time. You know, I put some grays on next on some, and they're still growing. <laughs> I don't I don't have a – I mean, we just have to get the bush hog out there and mow it down to keep them from feeding out what we can. But. So you're talking about you it's growing in grass. Field. What kind of grass is it growing in? Uh, Bermuda, Bahia, some of those, but mostly Bermuda is our, what our pastures are. Sure, sure. Uh, all right, Brian, it sounds like uh, there are a couple <laughs> things here Sam's doing well when you look at trying to get things uh as they're just getting started rather than let them get established. And, you know, you talk about 2,4-D and, and sure, if it's just getting started, I think we can do a pretty nice job with that. I like that we're going to a, a little better product, uh, graze on next, try to get down into that root system. What else do you see there? We're talking about January spring. How, what are the temperatures like in January, Sam? Are you in the seventies then? Uh, uh, we have some 70 days, um, a lot of 60 days. And, and you know, we don't, so Canada thistles oh, already yeah. rolling in January, and that's one of the things yep. up here. Man, we don't have anything. We have frost, and so we get out of that for a little while. But we try to do it just before. Uh, for us, it's late fall. It's uh, still warm enough that that we not can, late fall. Or, early, I should say it, early, early fall. fall or late summer. 
But yeah, I mean, they're they're with Canada thistle milestones the best. The the big concern whenever people are using Grazon is you're going to have or Grazon next or whatever is that you're going to have the 2,4-D in there shutting the plant down before the systemic product gets the chance to go all the way through the root system. It's not quite so bad with Grazon or Grazon next as it would be with, let's say, if you were doing Roundup in a crop field burn down with 2,4-D because Roundup's really sensitive and it doesn't have any residual. But anyway, our suggestion always when somebody says, hey, I've got pasture is, well, have you considered milestone? Just go seven ounces of milestone. That'll give you lots of residual. It's great at taking out that Canada thistle. And usually we just do that one application and it's it's pretty well done. So that, that would probably be my suggestion. Um, I've used that before and it did a great job. But my big concerns, you know, down here we... um. We're, we're pretty versatile. We'll put, um, we got pastures and then we graze cropland with rye, ryegrass, oats, or whatever. <laughs> so the concern is coming off of, um, off the permanent pasture and then grazing the cropland. The issue that brings, I'm sure you're. Yep. So yeah, yeah, I mean, when when you're talking about having permanent pasture, it's a whole different deal than if it at some point could be cropland. So that's where usually if if when we're going into it being cropland, we try to hit it with a straight shot of Roundup, nothing with it, just the highest labeled rate of Roundup, and then knock those thistles down thistles down that way and hopefully get into the root system. So, yeah, I, I, I know I, I get you. There's no perfect answer then if you want the option to go with crop at some point. So, yeah, Milestone can stick around for a long time. Yeah, and it, well, you can tell me, does... Will it hurt a tree? Will it hurt like typical pines or pecans? Or we call them pecans. Y'all call them pecans up north. But um, is it a problem with for, for trees, the milestone? Say, say that one more time. Is it a problem for tree? What is what a problem for trees? Yeah, milestone. Will it, oh, milestone. Will it hurt a tree? Uh, milestone can hurt certain trees, yes. So off the top of my head, I don't remember if that's a safe one or not for milestone. It'll tell you right on the label uh, certain trees that you got to be careful with or certain trees that it, it could be used around. But as a general statement, we don't like being anywhere near trees with milestone just to be on the safe side. That's uh, the reason. <laughs> yep. That's the reason. I, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, I think that was it. Yep. All right. <laughs> Okay. Well, let me ask you this: Will they um, rope or um, the rope wick top? Yes. Would that do anything yep. with the milestone? You think? Well, yeah, you could use milestone, but then why not just use Roundup if you're doing it with a wick? The reason why we like the milestone is the residual. In terms of the contact activity, the milestone's really not going to be any better than a high rate of Roundup. So I. To be safe, and I'm I'm in all these situations, I really don't want any dripping here and there of that milestone, so I would probably just put Roundup in that wick. It would be cheaper that way. I think it would be, oh, I know it would be just as good, and just go that way if if that would work for you. Well, okay, we may try that. Well, those whopper rollers, those, yep. you know, you've probably seen those. 
I think they're more effective than just a broke wick. So. Oh, sure. Yep, but yeah, I mean, obviously the main thing is just make sure you're keeping it off of any plants you want to save, and then you're in pretty good shape. Okay, good deal. All right. Well, hey, thanks for the call, Sam. Appreciate it. And uh, okay. Yep. Good luck. Good luck with the cattle down there. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> you bet. We'll <laughs> and see you. Humidity. Yes, sir. Thank yep. you, yeah, it's interesting. You know, you you think about all the different things that go into making those decisions in row crop ground, in pasture ground. Uh, there's some decisions to be made too uh, regarding rotations and trees or bushes or or different things as well. So, uh, good luck to Sam, and and uh, we'll get back to more of your calls right after this. Corn rootworms are called the billion dollar bug for a reason. If you don't control the adult populations now, their offspring will cost you later. Labeled for field corn and seed corn, Steward EC Insecticide from FMC offers a unique mode of action that delivers fast and long-lasting residual control of corn rootworm beetles and other tough insects. That proven chemistry makes it an excellent fit in integrated pest management and insect resistance management programs. And with less effect on beneficials than many traditional chemistries, Steward EC Insecticide reduces your risk of creating other pest issues like flaring spider mites. Choose Steward EC Insecticide from FMC. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow label directions and precautions for use. Ag PhD has one mission, to give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the Ag PhD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, updates and results from our in-field research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the Ag PhD Insider at agphdinsider.com. Stop wasting time and money with obsolete adjuvants and foliar fertilizers. High-yielding crops require high-performing multifunctional products like the Fulltech Adjuvant Cube and Impulse from SprayTech. Contact your local retailer or visit spraytech.com for more information. Conditioning low-moisture beans to 13% can add semi-loads to your bottom line. Make 13% beans possible with 13% off all end-zone bend systems from FarmShop MFG. Sale ends soon, so go to FarmShopMFG.com to order today. Don't turn your fertilizer application plan into a guessing game. Understand exactly how much fertility you need to reach your yield goals with the AgPHD Fertilizer Removal App. Simply enter your crop and your yield goal and the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App calculates the amount of nutrition needed to keep your crop healthy and working for you. Quit playing guessing games with your fertility needs. Download the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App today. Available on the Apple App Store and in Google Play. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us.
Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. It is a Farmer Friday, and our phone lines are open throughout the show today at 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head over to Southeast Ohio. Got Jack on with us right now with an aerial application question. Jack, how are you doing? Just uh, doing just fine uh, there. So, what's on your mind, Jack? What are you What are you thinking? Well, we've got a, uh, a local co-op that that flies on, and I had them do some uh, three or four years ago. Flies on fungicide and insecticide with a plane, and they're using a drone this year. And their application rate calls for the drone uses one gallon of carrier, one gallon of water with the insecticide, fungicide. Now, any of the labels I've seen on that, they're, <laughs> they're asking for 10 to 15 gallons, a minimum amount of, to put on. So what, what kind of job would that be like if you just put a gallon on? Okay, so I'll put it to you this way, Jack. Um, we've worked with aerial applicators for decades now, plane, helicopter, and now, as it's turning out, drones. Uh, we were supposed to have some stuff flown on on our farm with drone, and it never got done this summer. So I wanted to see the same thing, and then I would have a better idea firsthand because, like we always tell people, try stuff out, let's see how it pans out, and then we learn. Try it on a small scale and see. But for years, the aerial applicators, again, whether it's plane or helicopter, have run with very low water rates. Now, when I was a really young agronomist, I got told by a number of people in our industry, always ask the pilot, hey, if I pay you a little more money, will you put on a little more water? Because usually that will help. Now, with the drone, they're flying so close to the crop, they've got uh, the the blades, the propeller blades on there, which will give you some downforce, some pressure going down. But I don't personally think it's going to be as much as what a helicopter is going to be. We really like the job the helicopter did on our farm this year with low water rates. But anyway, I'm just trying to say here, um, I, it, they, I look at the drone as an aerial thing and I am hopeful that that low rate's going to work, but we don't have enough experience. This is really, I think, the first year here in the United States that we've had anyone we knew that was trying any of this stuff. I, I mean, I, I I just remember a couple years ago, I was at a meeting and there was a, uh, a, a retailer from Brazil who was talking about they were just starting to work with some drone spraying down there. And he said, so far, everything had looked good, but... Yeah, so I'm. I guess what I'm trying to say here, Jack, is I think it will probably be okay, but I'm not going to tell you. Oh, it's going to do a better job than your 10 or 15 gallons with your ground rig or anything like that. And and we just are going to kind of have to see how some of the results turn out this year. I'm sure I'm going to know more in a few months when we get some of the data back. Yeah, I just think Jack, if it's me and I, I have them do a field, I, I would absolutely have them do a field. And let's let's see what that looks like, and then yeah, I get out split in the a field. field. Yeah, but you could split a field too. It's I know it's hard. It's hard to do, but but you, you do the field. But then I would get out right after it and see how far down did we get coverage? Did did we get it down to the ear leaf? Is it going to make a difference? And and get out and see did we get all the bugs under control or were the ones deeper down in the canopy we just couldn't get to with that one gallon? That's that's the thing. I'm with you. Uh, the one gallon makes me nervous, but. 
it is pretty interesting upcoming technology and and yeah if you get out and take a look and think man they're doing a really good job with it awesome then do some more I said, uh, they said the drone holds, holds seven gallons. They can do a whopping seven acres for for every uh, trip up, you know, for every fill up. But uh, I just, I think you could be standing underneath it and won't even feel a mist, you know what I mean? Uh, I just, I don't know. It just, it just don't make a whole lot of, well, when they keep calling for one, one minimum of 10 or 15 gallon on the legal yep. way, I just can't figure out how it, how <laughs> that works out. Um, Jack, I'm with you. So I, 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 especially when we talk fungicide. Now, insecticide coverage isn't as important, but with fungicide coverage is very important. If you don't cover, especially the lower parts of leaves, they are going to be untreated because fungicide does not move downward in the plant; it only moves upward. Even in a leaf, within a leaf, we've shown, hey, if we if we treat the middle of a leaf, it will not, that fungicide will not move down. It will only move up in the leaf. So, yeah, I also am skeptical, but that's where I was saying, I mean, I'm willing to try anything. You know, maybe it'll be fine, but I'm just going to try it on a small scale. I'm not going to put my whole farm to something like that, and then all of a sudden it's a disaster. But again, it might be fine. I guess we'll kind of see how it pans out. So... What I'm saying here, Jack, is you're one of our guinea pigs, <laughs> so if you could uh, test this stuff out, let us know on a small scale and 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 tell us what you learn because I we're curious too. But I I will tell you I'm just I'm not like super worried that it's going to be a disaster, but I'm also trying to say I I have a tough time believing it's going to be better than what a ground rig or would be or even quite as good as a ground rig. But maybe it'll be close. Maybe it'll be fine. Well, that answers right. my question. Thank you, Derek. Yep. Thanks, Jack. Appreciate it. Thanks for calling in. Yeah, it, it it's always tough with these new technologies. And it, this is part of the reason, too, for Darren and me, we try as many things as we do. We like to have experience. So when someone like, like Jack from Ohio calls in, we can say, oh, yeah, we've been working on that for the last couple of years. Here's what we've seen. I, I, I said a little bit earlier when I was responding to his question, but I I was really hoping we were going to have some drones here on our farm to do some of this work or UAVs uh, and and get a little of that spraying done, but it never happened this year. So it's, it's kind of unfortunate, but I'm, I think we're going to try to do everything we can so we do experiment with that a little bit next year. All right, let's dive back into the mailbag here. And again, if you have a question for us, our email address, radio at agphd.com, or you can always give us a phone call at 844 844- 44 ag phd uh this one came in from dusty but it could have just as well been from brian hefty because it's the same question brian had dusty says could you guys elaborate or explain why neil kinsey says in his book we can't build k if a ph level is above 6.5 yep we've talked about that even with neil on the show here before because i have data and research right from our own farm proving that we can build soil K with commercial fertilizer when the soil pH is above 6.5, above 6.5. In fact, I would say if you've got a high pH and a really low potassium level, part of the reason why your pH is high is because your potassium is too low. Because when we've applied higher levels of K, all of a sudden our pH starts coming down. Because this is another thing that Neil does say in, in his book, in his speeches, everything, 
that pH is really a symptom. It's really the result of your nutrient imbalance. So in other words, if that pH is off, if it's 8 or if it's 5, that means that something's out of balance in your soil. And we as agronomists and farmers have to figure out what that is and get it in balance. But anyway, I, I personally, and so Neil will just talk about, well, in his experience, he hasn't been able to build soil test K with commercial fertilizer in higher pH soils. But my argument and where I come back to it is, and and here's one of the things, if you if you listen to our callers sometimes, they will bring up things like this too. And, and we'll get people who will call in and say, well, I've got some high pH ground and I put on a lot of potash and boy, my, my base saturation K level just didn't go up much. Well, a lot of times when the soil pH is high, we are dealing with heavier soil. And in our region of the country, the northern plains and, and northern Midwest, we've got pretty heavy soil, sometimes 20 and 30 can exchange capacity. Well, if you start running the math on what it would take to raise your base saturation K level by even a half a point, I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot of K. And then we had a caller, it was just last week, and he was talking about all this K he's putting on. And I go, wait a second here. You're getting like 85 bushel beans and high yearling corn. You're not even, I mean, you're just putting on grain removal, basically, if you figure that out. So we're using a lot of K. That's the thing. So anyway, hopefully that helps a little bit. But yes, you can build K. But it is better if you could have manure or compost goes a little easier. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Nutrition N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. Your schedule can change by the minute, making it hard to stay on top of the latest agronomy information. But at Ag PhD, we have some good news for you. If you miss an episode of Ag PhD TV or radio, you can catch up at agphd.com. With years of valuable content and the latest episodes available to stream for free, you can continue building your agronomic knowledge on any schedule. While you're there, don't forget to check for upcoming Ag PhD events and workshops. Watch, listen, and learn at agphd.com. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. It's planting season, race against the clock season, mistakes can't happen season, and no one helps you face it all like John Deere. Putting technology in your hands that gets you in and out of the field faster, that makes your spacing and depth more accurate, and that gives you the confidence that this season will be your best season. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground. 
Every week for more than two decades, Ag PhD TV has provided agronomic information to make your farm more productive and profitable. In each episode, we discuss a wide range of topics covering everything from crop fertility, promoting soil health, improving the environment, pest control, and more. All designed to help you push your farm to higher yield goals and more profitability. Be sure to catch us on Tuesdays and Saturdays on RFD TV. Check your local listings or visit agphd.com to learn more. When it comes to mites in your field, you can't afford a solution that might work. That's why there's Zealpro Miticide from Valent USA. With next-level knockdown and long residual control, you can be sure to handle spider mites at all stages of life with complete certainty. With efficient translaminar activity, apply by ground or air, and confidently attack mites where they are. Make Zealpro the definitive answer to your mite problem. Visit valent.com zealpro to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. Welcome back. It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today, taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. And you can email us as well, radio at agphd.com. Brian, you're talking about building K in higher pH oh, yeah. soils, and you didn't get a chance to finish that. Yeah, uh, I kind of ran out of time there. I, I forgot to add one thing. Drainage is huge. So, when we've talked to Neil Kinsey about this concern that he has had and some people have had about building soil test K levels with commercial fertilizer when the pH is high, Neil just asked us, okay, well, when you were building, were you doing things to lower the pH at the same time? And I said, well, we had just put in tile not all that long earlier. So that would obviously reduce some of our concerns with, let's say, salts or magnesium maybe a little bit to some degree but I, I would just say you want to have good drainage out there and if you have high pH levels drainage a lot of times is part of what's going on now it might not be entirely what's happening or anything else but you just want to make sure you have good drainage out there so that was the one thing that I, I guess I wanted to add to that conversation but yeah we have not had any issue building soil test K levels with potash Again, sure, it'd be a little bit easier if we had more manure or compost to build it, and even Neil will say that, but it takes a lot of K in a heavy soil to get your potassium levels up to the range that we're looking for for base saturation. And I thought it was interesting, when we started off the show today, I asked Darren about some of the new things in corn and beans for next year. Did you catch two of the biggest things that he said? One for corn, one for beans? He said wind damage in corn... He said standability in soybeans. So basically, I read that as he's talking lodging in both crops. So if that's one of the biggest things breeders are looking at, then that tells you that this is a problem for seed companies all over the place. And I contend that this goes back to we're pushing high populations, we're pushing yields, and those things are all great if you've got the nutrients in the soil to support all that. But when you don't, when, you're, when your potassium level's off, when you're not checking your copper and your manganese and stuff like that, then you're going to have more lodging issues. I, I had a, uh, one situation from last year that I brought up at several of our winter workshops that we did, and it was a farmer who had a, a major lodging problem, and of course, his first call was to the seed dealer. Well, 
I, I, this, so the seed dealer calls me and said, well, what do you think? And I said, well, show me the soil test. He goes, well, I don't have a soil test. <laughs> I go, what? Go get a soil test from the worst of where it's lodged. Well, of course, what had happened is he had less than 1% base saturation potassium, and he was trying to plant 36,000 plants per acre. I'm like, it's a miracle it didn't go down earlier in the year. I'm surprised it stands in here. If you're planting that thick and with that little K, you can't do that. I said, 26,000 might stand. So, and I go, what kind of yields this guy getting? 400, 300? No, he's getting about 230. I go, what in the world is he planting 36,000 plants for? Well, because he thinks that's going to lead to more yield. I go, well, not at that K level, it's not. So, I mean, it's what I'm trying to say here is, Raising a crop is all-encompassing. We just encourage you, don't just talk to the seed dealer and the chem dealer and say, well, I'm good. I know fertilizer is expensive, but if you, you either, you've got one or two choices. Either you can get your ground built up and or, and or fertilize accordingly for whatever you want for plants per acre, or you say, you know what, for this year, I see my K levels low. I don't want to spend money on K because it's super expensive right now. I'm going to have to cut my planting population or I'm going to have to get varieties that are really, really, really short so I don't have the lodging problem. So a lot of these things happen and the wind comes through and and we act like victims like, well, there's nothing I could do and the wind blew. Well, we know the wind's going to blow just about every year. Let's figure out, well, how do we work through this so we don't have the lodging issues? And moving forward to Darren's point, okay, they're they're working on shorter corns and shorter beans. Well, that's great. But even today, you can buy some short stuff or some tall stuff. Well, if you want to push population and you have low K, I'd suggest either cut your population a bunch or you go to some of this shorter stuff because... I mean, yeah, it's a rampant issue throughout corn and soybean country. We see lots of lodging every single year, and those are the reasons why I believe we're seeing the problems. All right, let's get back to the phone line. Got Erwin calling in from down in Missouri. Erwin, what can we do for you today? Got a question for you on a theory I have. I have a rotational grazing station. There's 160 acres, subdivided okay. to 32 paddocks or whatever else. Everything has been grid sampled and has been on a three-year build for pH, uh, uh, P and K, the micro, sulfur, boron, zinc, what have you. Um, we also have pulled uh, forage samples in each paddock, and we adjust the mineral levels uh, accordingly. My, Am I wrong in thinking that once I have built up and nothing leaves us, we cut no hay off of it, cattle go in about the third week in April, and they come out, well, the 15th to the end of September, so we got a good 45 days of regrowth, regrowth in the fall. Yep. Can I think that I have a self-perpetuating closed system that um, is going to function itself without dumping a bunch of fertilizer on it every Okay, so first of all, Erwin, I want to congratulate you. What you just said there is the type of management that we're talking about all the time here on Ag PhD. Uh, so if you didn't catch that, he said 160 acres, 32 paddocks. They're, they're doing all the soil testing for pH, the, the major nutrients, micros, all that stuff. They're, they're, they're sampling the forage and they're adjusting accordingly. That's all awesome. So I'm super proud of you. You're doing great. Now, to think that the cattle aren't going to take something away, 
I don't know. I, I mean, my feeling well, you're is... Gonna, you're going to have organic yes. matter mineralization, adding something back into that equation every year. You're going to have whatever's in the air and all these kinds of things too. But I agree. The cattle are growing. The cattle are gaining weight. They're taking something there. So yep. uh, do I think it's going to be perfect? No. But do I think you're going to be miles and miles ahead of everybody else? A hundred percent, yes. Yep. So I, yeah. So our opinion is, or at least my opinion, I'll give you, is... Would it be self-sustaining? Um, I don't think it's going to be quite self-sustaining. It's going to be close. It's going to be good because we can all think about, well, back in the old days, you know, and the, the cattle are grazing, whatever. But, yeah, they would move around a lot more. So, I mean, we're still talking a relatively small area here and everything. So my assumption is if you're doing this, your your levels could potentially go down just a little bit over time and uh, but but I, I do think it's going to be pretty good. I think you're just going to have to monitor it and see. And so let's put it this way. Keep an eye on it for the next couple, three years. Let us know what you're learning because it sounds to me like you're probably going to test either way and, and share that with us. Give us a call back and see what you found out because, yeah, I, I just I don't think we're going to be quite self-sustaining. And here's here's the other thing. I don't I don't know. I, I don't like the word sustainable period because to me that means we're just keeping we're staying even and i from the way it sounds you seem like you're the type of person that wants to make things better that's the way i am so i'm not happy if it's just sustainable i want it to be improved over time and in order to improve over time we're going to learn more we're going to figure out ooh you know what let's tweak this one nutrient over here let's do this other thing over here and make it a little better so yeah i i, I think you're absolutely on the right track with everything i just think you are still probably going to have to supplement a little bit what would your guess be what is what's going to suffer likely to be the P, the K, some of the micros, or, I mean, I guess I'll find that out on the next soil test. But <laughs> yep. The one thing I can tell you is that to date, in the last seven or eight years, there has been a dramatic change in the composition of the species out there, just from the rotational grazing and getting it up to specs five, six, seven years ago. Yep. Uh, well, my first thought is the leachables, because those things aren't necessarily going to stay around in the soil if you get all kinds of rain. So I think about boron, sulfur, and especially nitrogen. The P and the K will probably hold in there a little bit better. So, I, I mean, that's just my okay. first thought. Okay. All right. Well, all right. Well, I'll uh, pull some samples here either this fall or next spring and uh, yeah we'll see what it but i just wanted some guidance if i'm totally out in left field and <laughs> the whole thought was ridiculous no it's no, definitely not great. ridiculous you're doing great yep. Irwin. yeah we applaud what you're doing that is awesome thank you so much for the call really appreciate it and thanks to you for listening today be sure to join us again each weekday for more ag phd radio now stay tuned for rob sharkey and shark farmer radio <laughs>